Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That scripture is coming from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 19. And this one really resonates with me, y'all. Just because of what's going on in my personal life, the transitions that I've been making the last few months. um, I really take this as, you know, me not dwelling on the past because me looking back, I'm not focused on my my future. I'm not focused on the present. I'm not focused on the forward. And it really just goes to show how you have to have a lot of faith. Well, faith of a mustard seed, but having the faith to put your trust in God. Um, And I can say for me personally, sometimes, you know, I, I think I'm good and I try to go on my own plan, but if it's not in God's will, if it's not in his plans, then I need to seek him so that way I can be doing things the right way Um, and just making sure that I cooperate with him, focus on my relationship with him and my my future. It's, It's already set, you know, but really just focusing on that relationship with God and what he's promised um, and the desire to do in my life and, and through my life. So that resonates in almost every aspect of my life right now. Um, and I have been getting those tests and really just focusing. So I wanted to share that scripture as the inspiration for me Coming back in the middle, I won't even say the middle of season seven, I dropped like two episodes in January and y'all life has been lifing. So I do apologize for not dropping any episodes sooner, but I, I have my life together. Okay. It's, it's a work in progress. So I am back with new episodes every week. So thank you guys for letting me go on my little spiel just now, but From the clip that I'm about to play, can you guys guess what career we're going to be talking about today? Hi there. You work for the Ross campaign, right? I'm a volunteer. Yeah, I need you to to take down that sign. There's a ladder in the hall. Make use of it. You'll get your phone back when you're done. I've kind of been meeting a few of my podcast guests through LinkedIn, and it just goes Mm -hmm. to show you. (laughs) LinkedIn is a very powerful tool, but I kind of wanted to jump in there because one, let me welcome you before I jump the gun here. So everyone that's listening, welcome back to another episode of Girls on Another Level. I have Jasmine Cornelius here, and she is an operations and special projects manager for the Stacey Abrams campaign. Long title, big words doing big things and and that's what I concluded that too (laughs) Um, but we'll definitely kind of get into that role um, here in a little bit but I definitely want to welcome you in and kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about your journey before getting to where you are now so I was able to kind of find out that you graduated from Prairie View A&M University um, yes. you majored in, I believe it was history. Um, yes. and then right. you had a minor in African-American studies. So mm-hmm. I just kind of want to see, was this something, you know, when you decided to go to school that you knew you were going to kind of head into history, politics, or 
did you kind of stumble upon that and declare your major toward the latter years of, of college? Yeah. Um, well, first, thank you for having me and thank you for doing this kind of work. I always enjoy podcasts because I always learn about different kinds of people um, and what they like to do. I dropped out of college twice before I finished. When I first started college, I was studying psychology because I wanted to be a psychologist. And then when I dropped out and I went back, I was studying early childhood education because I thought I wanted to teach little kids. And then I realized little kids really aren't for me. Um, And so in the state of Texas, in order to teach high school, which is what I was aspiring to do at this point, you have to major in um, in your core area that you're teaching. And so I started out as an English major because I love to write, but English just wasn't, it just wasn't hitting like I thought it would because it's more of you're reading and then you're dissecting as opposed to like, reading and then regurgitating and then having those tough conversations you can't argue with the truth there really is no um, there's really no fiction whenever it comes to history and so I went into Prairie View the greatest HBC in the land with Jackson State being the second greatest HBC in the land um, I went into PV wanting to teach high school never ever 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 thought about politics ever 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 and um my executive student body vice president exante wallace in 2018 decided he was going to run for city council in prairie view and he asked me to be his campaign manager and so this is my first time dealing with like real politics um Mm -hmm. and i loved scandal and so when x had tapped me i was kind of confused because i'm like you know you and i we really don't talk that much like this is my second semester it's the start of my second semester here like what do you really know about me and so he told me he said there are people who are political activists and there are people who are politicians politicians typically only care about themselves political activists care about the people and so from there that's when local politics became really important to me and then working with him, through him, I understood the value of state politics. So I worked in higher ed from 2018 until you know 2020, I was an intern on campus. And then from 2020 up until June of this year, I was working in higher education. Um, a good friend of mine who's the deputy press secretary on the campaign told me that they were hiring and I applied and I took that transition into politics. Wow. That yeah. is so not what I was expecting. Uh, mm. <laughs> and, and <laughs> neither. That, but <laughs> it's a good thing because I, I think a lot of times, you know, you go into college or just kind of growing up based on, you know, your family's background and upbringings, you know, it's like you're supposed to go to college and you're supposed to know what you want. Granted, even yeah. though we know college is to explore and learn what works for you, but you still kind of go into it expecting to do what you thought you wanted to do in high school or even in middle school sometimes. So to kind of know that, you know, it wasn't just a straight cookie cutter. I want to do this. I'm going to pursue it. I pursued it. And this is what I'm doing. I love that. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Wow. So you kind of getting that taste i i want to see because you I, I read a little article on your your linkedin linkedin told me everything mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but um, I saw that you accepted a position at Morris Brown College as a senior registrar specialist. Um, and this was right upon you, you graduating um, PV. So you ended up moving to Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. And not long after that, um, Morris Brown College got its accreditation. And so I was like, oh, wow, that, that's cool. Not even a year of her, you know, moving to Atlanta. She got to be a mm-hmm. part of that. But you were already having that as a goal in 2019. So kind of walk me through that time and, you know, the efforts and how you felt in that moment. Yeah, so um, I met the president of Morris Brown College in January of 2018, my very first time coming to Atlanta. I was at the Honda Battle of the Bands. I'll never forget it was January 25th, 2018. And um, we were at the Peachtree Hotel, and at the time, he was working in that hotel because they have office suites and things there. And so we met underground, and I was walking with my PV family to the train, to the MARTA train, so we could ride it to the Mercedes-Benz station. Um, And so he stopped me, and he said, hey, you look familiar. I follow you on social media. Because the other part of my life is, I think, And at the time, and I still am, um, I have over half a million followers on social media from my singing, but I like to keep the two separate. So I met him in January 2018. We didn't talk again until like April 2019 um, when I read an article about Morris Brown because I had never heard of the school. I haven't seen the movie Drumline. Like I didn't know it was a school. I didn't know who he was. And so I read the article about him being um, appointed interim president and bringing it back. And so I looked him up on Twitter and we started talking again. And so in July of 2019, I started thinking about, you know, preparing for grad school because I knew I would be graduating in the spring of 2020, which I ended up pushing back to the summer of 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, And so I I visited Atlanta again. And when I visited Clark, you know, Clark, Morris Brown, Selman and Morehouse are all in that same area along with ITC. Um, Dr. James took me on a tour uh, of Morris Brown, and we talked about the history of it. And so at this point in time, Dr. Ruth Simmons is our president at Prairie View. Um, She just became the first female president of Prairie View in our history since 1876. Um, At this point, I was an aspiring HBCU president. So... When you aspire to lead an institution or an organization of any sort, right, that you know might be in a funk, you want to be a part of, at some point in your career, you want to be a part of a resurrection. And it's not a selfish one. It's a want to be able to say, hey, I was able to save this organization. Why was it so important for me to do the work at Morris Brown? Because if it was my HBCU, if if it were one of my two HBCUs, I would want somebody who had the ability, not the potential, but the ability to come in, step in and step up in order to save the institution. We couldn't afford to let the doors close on another HBCU. So as a 27 year old, um, actually I was 26 at the time. So as a 26 year old recent college graduate, I worked as an intern in the office of the registrar at Prairie View from 2018 and up until I graduated. I resigned on July the 10th. I took my grad photos July 11th. I was moving to Atlanta on July the 14th, and I started on July the 15th at Morris Brown. 
Um, it was just an opportunity that I just felt like I had been prepared for. And I knew exactly what I was walking into. And it was so crazy because originally that internship was me doing campus tours. And then they said, hey, we need two people to go to the office of the registrar. And I was like, I'll go. And the reason why I went was because it was a desk job. And I had never had a desk job. So I was like, oh, yeah, I get to go to work. I get to sit down every day, answer the phone, thing like that. And it ended up being the longest job that I ever had because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so when Dr. James had presented the opportunity to me to come in as a senior registrar specialist, um, I was working with a system that had been paper since 2002, um, all paper. And so innovation was the name of the game in that instance. So when I came in, I transitioned everything from 100% paper record keeping uh, to implementing DocuSign for the entire institution to use, creating the information management system and learning management system uh, to be usable by all levels of technological advancement, beginner, intermediate, advanced, expert. Um, and to think that my greatest accomplishment came within my first role after college was wild. That, as, right after that, when Morris Brown got their accreditation candidacy back, that is whenever I went through that period of, ooh, what do I want to do in life now? Because I've already done what I thought I would be doing 15, 20 years from now. No, I love it because it really just goes to show you it's it's the opportunities. You, you don't want to miss them. I think people hear like the word internship or, mm-hmm. you know, something that's not what they kind of had as an ideal job or role. But yeah. One thing I've, I've come to realize, and I stress this a lot, is in any position that you're in, any role, any relationship, you learn things from that. And there are those things that you can, well, skills, I'll say, that you can transfer over into your next opportunity, your next role, but you not taking that opportunity can lead you so far back. And it's just crazy. So I'm, I'm happy to know that, you know, you were able to kind of embark on this journey right after um, college because that's the time where people get the post-grad depression and feeling like they need to be at point B. And it's like, you, you got to stay the course. So yeah. after, you know, you worked as a registrar specialist, what... Did your your journey um, until after, you know, you had made this big accomplishment. So what was your next big thing? So the other part of working at Morris Brown was I was the senior registrar specialist, which I had a team of two registrar specialists that reported to me. And um, a lot of times what their main focus was, was um, ordering duplicate diplomas and getting transcripts for people who would call and request them. The other role that I had though, because I had another job, I was a program coordinator for the Choice Project. And the Choice Project at Morris Brown was a $1 million five-year federally funded grant by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And the Choice Project focused on HIV AIDS awareness and substance abuse awareness prevention and treatment for young African Americans between the ages of 13 and 24 in Fulton County, which is a locality that is hit hardest uh, by the HIV uh, epidemic. 
So when Dr. James called me and he 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 didn't he didn't ask me, he told me. He said, I need somebody that I can trust to do this. We had somebody, they went somewhere else, that's fine. It happens in higher education all the time. I need you to be a program coordinator for this role. So that's where I got my project coordinating and program coordinating experience. I was thrown into it. And so from there, I had three interns that reported to me. Two of them were collegiate. Well, actually, all three of them were collegiate students. Um, and we did just the day-to-day -day programmatic responsibilities for that. So after that, I, this is where I transitioned in to operations. So I went from project coordinating, registrar at Morris Brown, because essentially I was a registrar, to working at the United Negro College Fund as a program coordinator in operations. Um, at the UNCF, I was the project lead from uh, from beginning to end. I mean, like from the first conversations to execution for the 2022 HBCU Mental Health uh, Summit that we had. It was the inaugural one that was sponsored by Blue Cross, Blue Shield, California, and Peloton. Um, and so at the UNCF, I worked with a brilliant group of 12 students from various HBCUs. We were going to limit it to the 37 member institutions at the UNCF, but I wanted all 107 HBCUs to have access to this, faculty, staff, students, and administration. Um, and so I worked with a wonderful group of 12 students that made up my advisory board, and we created a two-day summit in partnership with the C Fund. And, um, active minds that just promoted mental health awareness um, to HBCU students. Um, and so that's where I was introduced into operations. After that, I went right back into higher education uh, where I worked at Auburn University at, at Montgomery. I was a program coordinator for orientation and transition. So I worked with first-year students, first-generation students, uh, new student orientation, of course, international students, non-traditional students. Took a break from that, and then I ended up here at the campaign. Wow. I Okay. <laughs> so, I, I can't believe I remember all that. <laughs> it's a lot when you say it out loud. No, and you know, it's funny. I always, like, I love watching, like, documentaries and interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, like, when, let's say, just for example, like, an a artist from the 90s or something real popular, they can remember down to the T when they made mm -hmm. that one hit song, who was in the room, <laughs> the writers. So I just be like, how do y'all remember these details like that? Yeah. So, no. <laughs> You're like, mm -mm, I'm I'm getting my creds. I know what I did. So I love that. I know what I did. I know who got me there. I know what route I took. All of that. Yes, I love it. Now, being a, a project coordinator and, mm -hmm. you know, working in operations and all of these roles that you've had so far, even though you were voluntold, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you still accepted, you know, the the initiative and, and really put in your, your hard work, your efforts and your passion behind everything you, you've done so far. And I feel like that takes a certain level of skills. So, you know, in, in your opinion, you know, what are some of the skills or, or characteristics um, that are needed for someone to be successful within this, this field? You know, 
I, in integrity is a absolute no-brainer. You have to always do the right thing, even when no one is watching, because everything that's done in the dark always comes to light. Whether it's good or bad, it's always going to surface. When Dr. James told me I was going to be the project coordinator, he irritated my soul because I was still kind of hot-headed. And I'm like, who are you to tell me what I'm going to do? If I tell you no, I'm going to tell you no. <laughs> so I actually told him no. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And that bothered me because it's like, no, you don't sit up here and let me tell you no. And you just say, that's fine. You're going to find somebody else. So I had to have a come to Jesus moment with myself like Jasmine. You know, he, these people see something in you. So do it. Another thing that Dr. James, oh gosh, he used to just, I mean, he used to just beat it in me. And I didn't understand it then, but I understood it now, especially working on this campaign. There are no excuses for anything. No excuses for, there is no excuses for anything. Anything can be done if you want it to be done. And it can be done legally and it can be done morally. So you have to have integrity, you have to have tenacity, you have to be resilient, you have to know how to set boundaries because those things do exist. You have to know yourself. Ooh, you gotta know yourself because if you don't and you navigate the workspace like I have over the last two and a half years, if I didn't know myself, I wouldn't have navigated the space the way that I did. And always be true to yourself too. Um, it can be intimidating. You know, I was 26 when I graduated. Um, every now and then I'll have this idea that, man, I'm, I'm really behind. Um, yeah, you know, I have line sisters who are 20, 21, 22, and they're out here doing big things that I simply just was not doing at 20, 21, and 22. Doesn't mean that my story is not as impactful or as meaningful, but there was a lot of second guessing. So I definitely learned myself throughout, you know, this whole process. But you, you have to have integrity. You have to know yourself. You have to stay true to yourself. And you just also have to, I mean, you have to be tenacious. Like, you are hired on a job to figure stuff out, not to allow other people to worry about what your responsibility is. And working on this campaign really, really, really taught me that with the pace that we were going. Listen, you're preaching and it's not even Sunday. Um, <laughs> but no, I love that. I'm glad you brought it up, you know, now with us, you know, social media, everything is put on display. And I think that's the hardest hurdle that we, we have to jump because we're, even if we don't intentionally do it, we're still sometimes in the back of our head, like, goodness I should be here or so and so I just saw that they got this or they accomplished this and it's really a, a big hurdle to jump but listen you already know it but you you killing the game you're you're doing great Thank so you. I don't need to tell you that you already Thank know it you. but <laughs> you're welcome now I want to jump into your your current role operations um so a little backstory. I actually volunteered for Stacey Abrams' campaign in 2018. Um, oh, I, didn't, I, I didn't go to HBCU. I went to Valdosta State um, mm -hmm. near, near Florida. Um, 
But, you know, when the opportunity was presented, I was like, oh, yes, Stacy's about to be in the room with me. Okay, we're going to be breaking down some some strategies and all this stuff like that. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just making those calls like, please vote. Have you heard about, you know, Stacey Abrams and really just kind of giving the general information. But to family back home, listen. And I'm not going to, you know, downplay it because I played an important role <laughs> back then <laughs> in 2018. But, you know, I was not as hands on and really in, you know, the meat of it like you are. So kind of walk me through, first of all, with this lovely title, what is an operations and special projects manager? What were you doing? Oh, so, you know, working this campaign was so much fun uh now that the campaign has been over it's been so much fun as well getting rest and rejuvenation and just gearing up for the next chapter i was hired as the operations assistant in june june 6 2022 is my first day and i just assisted the chief of operations i was second in command um the verticals that i oversaw were campaign headquarters and the road show, which is when leader would travel all across the state and she would talk to all the different people in the different cities. My job with campaign headquarters was I was making sure that that the break room was always stocked with snacks, um, that we had COVID tests on site, really any type of ad hoc support. You can imagine, I mean, just we had a campaign headquarters staff by the end of the day of about 70 to 80 people that were there almost every day. And so really any type of questions that would come up, um, because my boss was the chief of operations, he was often just moving around or just doing other things for senior leadership. And so I was I was the operations person for the junior staffers. Um, any type of errands that needed to be ran, um, roadshow, I booked hotels left and right all over the state. I made sure that they had what they needed. Essentially, anybody else that came on the ops team, um, I was their go-to person for questions. I assisted in onboarding new employees, so I knew every single staffer that worked on that campaign, whether they were local in the campaign headquarters in Decatur or they were in a field office in Savannah, Columbus, uh, or anywhere else. When we got uh, the field team going, um, paid organizers, paid offices, and things like that, that's what I did. Uh, which is why we became familiar with that office space because our political director graduated from there. And then when I got on the early vote bus tour, I learned that Representative William Bodie, who was running for Georgia Labor Commissioner, had graduated from that office state as well. So in September, I got promoted to operations and special projects manager. The operations piece stayed the same. The special projects piece had me outside of headquarters a whole lot more than I had ever been. Um, when I was off assistant, I was in headquarters about 90% of the time. And hours went from 9 to 5 to 6 to midnight to 7 to 10. And we, at one point in time, were working seven days a week. So sometimes I had to be there with security early in the morning or I had to be there late at night. I'd be there on the weekends. The special projects piece was the last minute ideas that people would have, I'd say about the last month of the campaign. Logistically speaking, I was the person who was there for support from the moment we started talking about it to the execution of the project, anything that you can imagine. So somebody could say, 
uh, we want to do this event with these group of people in, in this part of the state. And so it would be my job to make sure that this was doable first. So looking at everybody's schedule, um, making sure that we had all the swag or the merchandise that we needed, T-shirts, rally signs, wristbands, buttons, all of that. I would be the common link between the different people in the different departments a lot of times. Um, and I was just really there to ask the questions from an event planning standpoint, from a logistics standpoint, that most people wouldn't think to ask or to answer those questions because it was my job to know about all of the logistics within the campaign. From budgeting to what we had in stock to the different rules and regulations to the different policies that were listed in the employee handbook. Um, just being familiar with the field offices, working closely with the field team, so on and so forth. And then I was responsible for making sure that all that stuff was shut down. Um, and then during early, early voting, the special project piece was always the early vote bus tour correspondence. So you'll see a lot of content when we were traveling across the state on the bus. I'm the one that you see on social media giving you a recap of the day or you see me in pictures just really bringing the vibes and the energy to the campaign. Um, and then, yeah, we go back to ops once election day is over and we break everything down and we make sure everything's in compliance and we say our goodbyes. First of all, the way you ended this and, you know, that's what we do. You say yeah. that like you didn't have a list of, oh my goodness, the task. Like, yeah, it was a oh lot, actually. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like, that is a lot. You know, granted, you, you know, may have had, you know, a team and, and people there, but you had to know pretty much everything when it came to this campaign in order to see it through. And that's, that's a big, who that's a big task to, to handle a, a heavy title to carry as well. And so I'm sure there were times where you, you know, you had difficult moments or, you know, just a lot was probably coming down on, on your shoulders to, to handle and delegate and to make sure it was done correctly. So how did you handle those moments where it seemed like, you know, the walls may have been caving in and it, it was just a lot to handle? So the one thing that I absolutely loved about working on this campaign is this is not your average campaign for one, but senior leadership really stressed work-life balance. They really stressed that we need everybody to get to at least November the 8th. So if you need downtime, if you need time to disconnect, do that. And my boss was really good with that. So all of our jobs were able to be done 100% virtually. And so there were times where I just felt like I was burnt out on HQ, so I would just work from home. I actually caught COVID four times throughout working on the campaign over the course of five months. And then when early voting started, literally the second day of early voting, I ended up getting bronchitis. And I didn't know I had bronchitis because I was just like, so like, girl, this is everything that we've been working for. You got a little cough, get a humidifier, take medicine, whatever, whatever. Uh, I realized that the symptoms weren't subsiding and whenever I was coughing, it was coming from my chest and not from my throat or, you know, from my head. But I mean, I had to work through it. Um, so they really pushed work-life balance because they knew that it was going to get crazy. They pushed just general good health overall. So when I was sick, um, 
I think it was my boss or maybe it was his boss that was like, you need to take like two or three days to just chill and relax. And it was crazy what two or three days of rest and no work uh, did for me. Um, therapy. And now I've always been an advocate for therapy. I've been in therapy since I was eight. But this time I was going every week because they provided free mental health services for us. So I had a wonderful therapist here in Atlanta. She was just absolutely amazing. So every Thursday at seven o'clock, I knew that I could talk to her. And whatever it was that had been bothering me over the course of the previous six, six or seven days, I could talk to her about it. And as we got closer to election day, it became more and more stuff that bothered me. And then also having those people outside of the campaign that I knew I could talk to about the campaign that weren't like, oh my gosh, you work for Stacey Abrams, but were just like, you know, just my people from before the Abrams campaign even knew me um, that I could vent to because that was really important. And a lot of times, a lot of them didn't know what to say back. Um, they were just like, I'm just going to listen to you because I really don't know what to say. Um, so yeah, just having that outside group, but then also understanding like life goes on. So you can't mope around when stuff is going wrong. And two, understand the mission. The mission is to get Georgians the leader that they deserve. And you don't need to kill yourself to do that, but make sure that you preserve yourself to do that. And so sometimes that looks like just taking a step away, taking a break. Girl, I was catching flights in the middle of the week, going all over the place, working virtually for two or three days. Um, and it was fine. And I knew that if there was a day where I wanted to be out of office, then I knew that I had a plan on who was going to do my work for me, which was my boss, in the event that I was gone. And it's crazy because when you're out of office on that campaign, you are out of office. Nobody is to contact you about anything. And every now and then you had to take that time to reset because you knew you had to make it to November the 8th. And that's where knowing yourself really comes in at because you have to know. Because we were picking up the pace quickly and you just you just had to do what you had to do. Wow. Listen, I, I need a lot of corporations, businesses to hear. <laughs> Work yes. like balance. When you yeah, shut the work computer like off, the computer is off. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, that's amazing. I think you know that really just goes to show consideration was definitely there for every person that was a part of the campaign because that that could have turned out to be a high level stressful environment and you feeling burnt out literally every day and. So yeah. that, that's great to hear that, you know, there were things put in place to where you can gain that recovery, but still, you know, do your job. Um, so, wow. No, that's, wow. I, I love that. Yeah, and I had, never, I had never experienced that in higher education. What I did realize is that higher education can be more political than politics. And it was so crazy to me because, you know, with COVID, COVID made a lot of people work harder. Um, and that is something that I just remember telling myself, I never experienced that kind of work-life balance. Um, when it was seven o'clock and headquarters closed, it wasn't until A, I got that promotion, but B, early voting started. 
Well, I would actually be talking to people after seven o'clock in the evening. But when the office closed, I mean, nobody bothered me. Like it, it, it was, it was wild. Like work-life balance was really a thing on this campaign. And I'm glad to have just experienced that in general because when I go into whatever's next, I'm not going to be afraid to ask for that because I work, I doubt I will ever work another role unless leader decides she wants to run for president. That will be as hectic and as demanding as my role as operations special project manager. But because I have witnessed this in a very hectic and fast paced environment, I expect the same thing in a slow paced environment that might be less hectic. Um, because everyone, everyone deserves that. Yes, I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, definitely just kind of as we, we wrap up here, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your story and your journey. It's amazing to hear, you know, you, you started one way thinking your, your life would end up, you know, in education and, and here you are on one of the, the biggest campaigns um, there is. So definitely, I, I wish you nothing but continued success in your journey. It I I'm already know you've already hit the bat rolling out yeah, of, out of college you. with great stuff. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be great. All right, guys. So before we go, of course, we have to do the business spotlight for this week. And this is going to go to Lahair Skin. Um, and Lahair Skin is actually a nonprofit. Um, it's a nonprofit charity organization, Lahair Foundation. And they have attempts to bring royal, clear, glowing skin to everyone. All right. That's coming from the average working person to the overlooked foster child. Um, you know, everyone deserves to feel, you know, special and inherit that royal skin. So that's what this this business spotlight is for this week. Um, Lahair does face wash, um, face brightening serums, hair gel, and hair oils. So I need you guys to go follow Lahair. Um, on Instagram at Lahair Foundation, as well as going to LaHairFoundation.org to make sure that you purchase some products. Remember, this is going to a good cause. Um, so definitely support. Um, just to give an FYI, if you're wondering what type of products you need to be getting, the best sellers are um, the Too Faced products um, because it's packed with vitamins and high percentages of hyaluronic acid. So make sure you go support. And thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Girls on Another Level.